on, everybody? This is your host, Kyle Milligan, on our very first episode here on the Press Box. This episode is called Sports Are Back for Self-Explanatory Reasons. Right here with me, I have my right-hand man, Troy Snyder. Today, we discuss and debate plenty, including the NBA return, the MLB return, Cam Newton to the Patriots, and much more. Special jet, special guests, Coach Cater, Blake Barbarisi, and then opening up for Collins later on in the show. Without further ado, let's get the show on the road. What's happening, Troy? Not much, man. Just excited to be here, man. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's go. This is episode one. Let's get this show on the road. So let's discuss some NBA here right from the beginning. A lot of exciting things to talk about today. We're now into July, right? We're a little bit into July. That being said, exciting things are starting to happen. We have teams traveling to Orlando from July 7th to the 9th. Training camp begins July 9th. I don't know if you've been seeing things on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, but I've been seeing the Lakers work out. It's been pumping me up a lot. The regular (laughs) season resumes on the 30th. Jazz versus Pelicans and Lakers versus Clippers to kick off the season. And we have some notable players already opting out of the season here, and it's kind of scary. But they are DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, Avery Bradley, Trevor Ariza. Now, Troy, before I hand it over to you, I just want to say we have a little bit of a scary thing going on. I mean, the cases in Florida have been uh, pretty um, obviously rising uh, the last week. Only two states showed a downward trend in cases, and that's New Jersey and Rhode Island this last week. So that's a little bit scary. And I just – it's it's really tough because the staff are allowed home and the players have to stay in that bubble. So I'm just interested to see how the players handle that. Troy, I'll let you go first here, though. How confident are you that the NBA will finish this season? I'm extremely confident in the restart, mostly really? <laughs> mostly because I, I've been hearing like positive things from Adam Silver or just from the quotes I've been reading on ESPN and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, Adam, Adam Silver Adam Silver's great, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's been saying a lot. But again, this this year as a whole, it's just been so unpredictable with everything, so anything could really happen. But if the NBA really just gets through the first week or two, no cases, no problems, then the rest of the season it should be fine. Right. I mean, is that is that the most realistic thing to happen, though? I mean, one to two weeks without any cases. Uh, I, I wasn't even aware till last night that staff – are actually allowed in and out of the bubble. And that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's scary. That's the scary part. And because these guys in the NBA, the players anyway, are sacrificing pretty much like not seeing their families for months, you know? And, right. and it's, it's confusing to me because if the staff are allowed to go home and come back in the bubble whenever they want, well, they're going to be exposed to people outside the bubble. True. I think for an NBA I, player can catch this virus. It, it is very likely to happen yeah that's very that's a very flawed plan that's that's like the biggest thing um i do think that everyone should have to stay in orlando until the season is done i think that that was the only way to ensure that i mean i mean the nba makes enough money why not pay the staff an extra amount and keep everyone on campus there you know and until the season's over i mean Oh my God! You know, you know what I would do to go down to Orlando and just be a guy passing out hot dogs. Right. If I could pass a hot dog to LeBron James, I, I'd pay to do that. Let let alone like <laughs> get paid to do that. I'll, yeah, I'll stay in a bubble. I yeah. want to get out of here. Sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm coming. No, but in all seriousness, no. Adam Silver is obviously great. I mean, he's one of the best commissioners in the U.S. today. Definitely. Uh, I, 
I think if any league can do it, it is the NBA. For sure. I mean, they ha- they definitely have the best plan in motion right now. Um, still a little flawed, but hey, there's room room for error. Now look, the, like Adam Silver's came out and he's just he he's got strict testing procedures, no nonsense, right? He's not he's not he's not yeah. gonna he's not gonna go out and tell the fans, hey, uh, we're gonna have a season. Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's giving it to us straight. He's saying, you know, this this is something that we're going to try to do. Uh, we may fail. We may fail. Right. But we're going to we're going to go. We're going to try doing this. So uh, he's not he's not giving us face like false hope or anything. Unrealistic right. promises. He's just giving it to us straight. And if a season happens, a season happens. But obviously, we're all looking all looking for a finish. We're, not we're all very we're all very optimistic for it. So, right. Yeah, the NBA the NBA is in good hands though. I think we can all agree there. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and now, however, you know, it's not relying on the players. Like we're not we're not relying on the players to follow these rules. We're we're relying on people that are outside of the NBA staff. So yeah. that's that's really scary to me. And then I asked the question to myself. I love the NBA and I want to go. I want to see the Lakers win a title. But at the same time, it's like, man, like, is it is it all worth it? Is it truly worth it? What do you think? Um, yeah, it, the risk probably won't weigh out the reward. Just thinking, like, if someone does get sick, he could get everyone sick. But at the same time, you need to make you need to make money. At the same time, the NBA is a business, and you want to go about it safe. This is the safest possible way. And now they can bring in bring in some money and right. Know. We we can't we can't be. Adam Silver's not being dismissive about the importance of life. I think he realizes oh, no. that uh, these players are the thing that keeps this league together. You know. For sure. But at the same time, I feel like we're asking people to sacrifice a lot here. We're asking people to come into a bubble, stay away from their families. Stephen A. Smith made a good point the other day. I don't know if you saw it. He was saying these players are going to be without their wives, without their uh, girls, or without even if they're single, uh, they're they're not going to be getting none for about three months. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I mean, excuse me for being inappropriate, bro. Nah, I mean he's not wrong. They're not wrong. I I mean these players are grown men, right? And they and and they have money. I mean I'm sure they're not going to be used to this. They're gonna definitely have to adapt as much as um, as much as coronavirus is in the way. There's so many other things that. Oh yeah. We, I mean, the NBA has never been put into a bubble. Right. I mean, it's 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 something that's kind of crazy, and it's it'll be a cool experience. Yeah. Hopefully, it will never have ever happen to have it again. But yeah. we're asking them to sacrifice a lot, and it's not just um, being away from their family. It's being away from uh, their significant others. Yeah. Everything. Definitely their kids and stuff like that yeah and, and i was thinking the other day it's gonna be so weird not to see like fans you know well not even not even fans but like toronto it's it's we're not gonna see drake on the sideline like yeah cussing at the players and stuff it's gonna be so weird yeah. you know it's gonna be yeah. weird not seeing all the celebrities you know right in la i mean they they had oh God, i watched every single one of their games this year and i mean the people they had on their sidelines like weekly we're just right we're just yeah. like top of the line celebrities night in night out all over mm-hmm. it, it'll be really weird to see without any fans but like i said 
the big question here is is it is it truly worth it you know yeah play i think for the players i think it is you know because they play the game because they love it and they get to play so well you got to think here troy like what players are we talking about here because is it worth it for zion williams to be playing right now is it worth it for um luka Doncic to be playing right now it could be you know um it, this this could definitely make them better. Like Zion, like he's he's only had had 19 games of experience. He probably needs the, these games along with a playoff just to get some more experience in. Like rather than someone like a Luka Doncic who already has th- two or three years of experience, he yeah. might not need it as much. But I think a rookie like Zion definitely needs it. Yeah, and uh, a fan brings up a good point here. I just got a text from someone with that's listening to us, and they're saying. They aren't making much money off of a no fan season, and that that's also a good point because you yeah. think about it, you think about how much tickets they sell per game, right? Twenty thousand sure. plus NBA yeah. games are just absolutely crazy. People buying merchandise and all that good stuff. I mean, they're they're losing out on a lot of money here. They definitely are. But I, I think I think to answer uh, this guy's question, to it, it's honestly the reason why we're going back is because we're in jeopardy if we don't. If we sit this one out, people aren't going to be as excited for next season. I mean, this is good. Yeah. we're not going to crown a champion, you know. We, we, this will give us the possibility of having a parade somewhere. I mean, yeah. there, there'll be nothing to talk about over the offseason besides free agency. And, you know, we, we want to give bragging rights to at least one fan base. It's only fair. Right. And and yeah. honestly, if, if we ended the season how it is, what are we going to say? Like, congratulations, to the, to the Milwaukee Bucks, they yeah, haven't. The the, they haven't the league, like, yeah, they haven't proved the damn thing yet. I mean, yeah, have a great regular season. They had a good one last year. What happened? You know, show me yeah. more. Show right. me more. I don't want to crown a regular season champion. It makes no I, sense. Exactly right. But well, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Uh, we got a very special guest joining us here, and I'm really excited for this one. Everyone's gonna love this one. So we have Cater coming in here right now. He's going to be here in a few minutes. Let's give him a minute to join here. Um, I'm really excited to hear from him, so let's see what happens here. Hello? Kate, are you there? I am. All right, I'm about, up, to Kate? I'm about to introduce you right now. Okay. All right. Who All right, else let's is move on, on the phone? Uh, this is Troy. Troy with us. Okay, hi, Troy. What's up? All right, here we go, guys. All right, let's move on from the NBA here. We will revisit this later on in the show. It's still a good day. The NBA is still set to return and finish their season. There's been a lot of anticipation for this one. We now have a very special guest joining us, Coach Cater. Excited to hear your opinions and thoughts on Cam Newton before we talk some baseball. What's going on, Cater? Uh, not much, Kyle. How are you guys doing? First, uh, doing- thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We're glad to have you here. We're doing good. Uh, we're excited kicking off the first show. So uh, let's see what we can do here. So before we even discuss where Cam did land and what did happen, I want to talk about what could or maybe even should have happened. So Ron Rivera, former head coach of Cam Newton in Carolina and now coaching for your Redskins, Cater, had this to say about the situation. In quote, if the circumstances would have allowed us, I would have had no issues with that. I would have been very confident and comfortable in going after him and bringing him to be a part of what we're doing here. To me, those circumstances would have been going through an opportunity to see what we have in Dwayne Haskins, said Ron Rivera. Cater, it's only right we start with you here. 
Should the Redskins have looked more into signing former MVP Cam Newton? Well, as a Redskins fan, obviously, um, I'm, I'm going to think that they did their due diligence on signing him, but I think them deciding to go and not sign him was a better decision for the organization in general. Uh, mm. Being you drafted a first, you used your first round draft pick on a quarterback last year, as you said, in Haskins. You need to find out what he can be as a quarterback. And really, the only way I think he can get that done is, is by putting him on the field. Um, now, you can't deny Newton, you know, former MVP, established quarterback in the league. But with the Redskins, I think being further away than, you know, more than one piece. And I don't think that that's, you know, going to help Haskins development at all. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point there. Troy, I'll let you go in before I jump in here. Um, in my my opinion, they definitely should have pr- pursued Cam more heavily. I mean, with the Redskins finishing three and thirteen last year, and Dwayne Haskins had the same amount of touchdowns as interceptions. Like, I get it, he's young, but that's not a promising start in for any quarterback at all. You know, they finished almost last in in the league in offense, and and they've finished last in probably the worst division in the NFL. Uh, they need a more experienced quarterback to lead an overall very young team. With, I mean, uh, I think that Cam definitely could have been their guy to lead the charge. All right. So right away, I think when I asked, so the Redskins have signed Cam Newton, right away my answer is no, because it, you're developing a guy that you just picked in the first round in 2019. You drafted him at 15. He played nine games last year, right? He, I mean, he jumped in. And yes, he had seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, but he's he's 23 years old. He just got started in a new offense, going from Ohio State to the Washington Redskins. I mean, I don't know. The roster isn't good enough to be paying a QB starter type money. And I, I think they got to invest in the young team here. However, this is a win now league in a in a win now division definitely because. Um, no one has won the NFC East back-to-back since the Eagles in 2004, Cater. So I think everyone, no matter how bad um, a team's roster is in this division, has a, has a shot. And I, I don't know. I mean, for what Cam Newton got signed, I think that's a very low risk. And um, I wouldn't say that's giving up on Dwayne Haskins. i just say if you signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal, I mean, let's, let, let's take a shot at this, you know? We we're gonna we're gonna either make it big or miss small. I mean, you're not paying the guy much for what he is and former MVP. I think one point, what is it, five million with incentives is is very is a very good deal. So I'm not sure. Cater, do you want to respond to that? Well, in getting you know to the to the Cam signing, you know, once they hired Ron Rivera. Um, you know, he's pract- he's he's talked about, you know, practicing patience and you know, yes, they want to win and they're going to put the best players on the field that they feel is going to give them a chance to win. I just think that this is a process that the Redskins with seems like they're going in a new direction where Snyder has given a little more of a authoritative power position to Rivera to make a lot more decisions. And he's talking about you know building a culture and yes cam was his quarterback for i believe eight years or so um mm-hmm. you know i just don't think that he's the right you know from going from three and 13 to six and seven yeah you know um is it yeah. worth you know sitting haskins another year i mean if you look at 
how Haskins played at the end of the year once he became the starter, um, you know, seeing him take every snap last year he took, you know, when they threw him in in the Giants game, that Gruden didn't want him in the first place is my call. Um, yeah. So he threw him out there against the Giants when you've had minimal snaps. That's like, you know, taking no snaps in. And, of course, you're not going to go out and look well. You know, a lot of that might have been Haskins unprepared. You know, there were rumblings and talkings in the earliest season that he might have not have been in the playbook as much as he had. So right. Should have been. So, but then getting back to my, what I was, my original point was trying to be, um, once he took the starter snaps in practice, you noticed that, you know, there was development in him. You know, against I saw Detroit, progress last year. Absolutely. Yeah. He took, yeah. he took him down against Detroit in a two minute drive to win a game there. Played well against Philadelphia, albeit in a loss. And in right. his last game of the season against the Giants, I believe he started 12 for 15 and two touchdowns. You know, his last right. three and, games and he I, had. I think we're, yeah, I, I think we're really forgetful about the fact that this this kid played in college too. I mean, I, I think he had I think he had 50 touchdowns or something like that. Correct, I believe I, so. I mean, yeah. that, I mean that's that's no joke. And uh, the the kid's 23. You got to give him a shot. All, all I'm saying is that I, I think it's a low risk with Cam Newton, and I, and I don't think he's I don't I definitely don't think he's gonna ruin any type of culture. And he might even I, I don't know. <laughs> does Dwayne Haskins have a guy there um, that's besides Ron Rivera that's gonna help him win in this NFL? It's a question that's still got to be answered, and we'll and we'll see this year. I want to move on here. Uh, still talk about the NFC East. So we have we had an exciting offseason for the NFC East this year. The Redskins picked up a stud in Chase Young, in my opinion, the best player in the draft. The Cowboys picked up more star power for an already loaded offense in C.D. Lamb, and the Eagles shocked the world by going in with Jalen Hurts in the second round. And most recently, the Cowboys placed ex- an exclusive franchise tag on Dak Prescott for $31.4 million. Cater, I'll start with you again. Who wins the NFC East this season? <laughs> a little, of course, I'm going to chuckle at that one. And one before I say this is, is when we started with me on the first one as a Redskins fan. But I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody other than the Cowboys winning this division. I mean, if the Cowboys can stay healthy, if you look on paper, you know, which is sometimes not the best thing to do, I think they're the most talented team in the NFC East by far. You know, with especially yep. some of the free agent signings that they've had on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, your offense was pretty spectacular last year. Now you had a playmaker in, with C.D. Lamb yep. to go along with Michael Gallup and uh, Amari Cooper and Zeke. And then, you know, your offensive line and your quarterback and then your defense getting better. I mean, the Giants and the Redskins are probably going to be fighting for third and fourth place. As, again, um, <laughs> you know, I, it is what it is, I you know, but I mean, right now, I think the class of the, div, the, the, the division is the Cowboys. And yeah. I don't think it's, and in all honesty, I, I painful for me to say as a Redskins fan, I don't <laughs> think it's close. I mean, yeah. Philly has some very good playmakers. Don't get me wrong, but you know, there's a, I think there's a big difference between Philly's roster and Dallas yeah. is especially after the off season. Talent wise, definitely. Yep. Troy, I'll yes. let you chime in here. Um, well, obviously I'm going to be rooting for my Giants, so but <laughs> still still not expecting much from them. Yeah, don't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the uh, NFC East is definitely going to be a fight between the Eagles and the Cowboys. I mean, they both have pretty solid solid quarterbacks. Um, the Cowboys do have a really good running back in in Zeke. 
and two two very good wide receivers and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. But on the other side, the Eagles do have Miles Sanders, and, who's coming off a pretty good rookie season. He's a stud, and, yeah. Yeah, stud. and and the Eagles have have a top three tight end in the NFL in Zach Ertz. So so I think that they're definitely going to give the Cowboys a run for money. I don't think the Cowboys are going to win it in a landslide. So. Yeah, I mean, the NFC East is always close, and something happens every year that just surprises us. Yeah. Um, well, well, not exactly. I wouldn't say surprises us. Just someone new wins every year. And, you know, it, the Cowboys can go – or the Eagles can go 8-8 eight and eight and win the division easily. So, But it, yeah. here's the thing. So I, I want to look at this and just say the Cowboys easy because with the talent that they have, like Cater said, it should be an easy answer. I mean, it should be the Cowboys, no doubt. I mean, the only thing – the only, like – thing you can say that the Eagles might have better is the quarterback so it but everything just around Dak Prescott is almost twice as much that Carson Wentz has around him and Carson Wentz goes through a lot of injuries you know if they if if they had Nick Foles there I might I might say the Eagles but I, I really I really have a lot of confidence in Dak Prescott I know Cater you're not a big fan of Dak Prescott I've uh, grown I've grown to Except that I shouldn't say except is he has developed. I think he's developed into one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and his numbers really reflect that. And I think you know some of the one thing I didn't <clears throat> excuse me mention earlier was which I think a huge change for the Cowboys organization was a change at the head coach position. Yeah. You know, hiring Mark yeah. McCarthy, who's you know a proven winner in the league, where. You know, instead of having your head coach after a turnover standing on the sideline clapping his hands for the thousandth time. Oh, um, my goodness. Thank God he's gone. You know, we sent him right to you, Troy, too. It, it, yep. I mean, I think – but, again, if you look at that move to the Giants from Jason Garrett, he's, you know, a very good offensive coordinator. I will give him props for that. You know, some people are better suited to be coordinators as opposed to head coaches. Right. You know, and but I think that – will help the Giants offense as well. But Troy, I think it's going to be between you and us. You know, I think whoever wins the games between the Redskins and the Giants will finish in third. Third. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, ho- hopefully, hopefully it scores up that way. I-, I can tell you one thing, Cater, you guys are headed in the right direction. I mean, anytime I- you get a stud like Chase Young, you guys are on your way there. The, the, the most important thing in the game besides having a quarterback is definitely a pass rusher. And you guys got that now. So I like the direction. Yeah, you guys are going in the right direction. Let's hope the Cowboys win the division for my sakes. Um, I hope you guys have a good battle for third place. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's get into a little bit of baseball here. Um, so with all the nonsense in terms of financial agreement that happened this offseason, the MLB, uh, we finally have a season. So we have a 30-man roster to start, universal DH, meaning designated hitters for both NL and AL teams. Three taxi squad players, which is pretty much, you know, on road trips, if a player goes down with an injury or gets test positive for coronavirus, then they have those three players that they can just plug right into the lineup on the day. August 31st is our new trade deadline, and each team will have 40 divisional games and 20 regional rival games. Troy, I'll start with you here. This season will be very different, obviously. What teams benefit most from this season's extraordinary changes? Um, in this, in the new MLB, uh, pitching depth is more essential than normal. Uh, that's why a team like the race with three very solid pitchers, along with uh, an enviable amount of strong arms to relieve them, they can be very successful. Oh, and, and the same thing with the Yankees. Uh, 
because they have a very solid core of pitchers and a great pickup in Garrett Cole, who, who can be their true ace. Uh, so those are my top two teams heading into the restart. But if your team has a deep bullpen, then you've got a shot at going the distance, you know? Yeah, I got you. Cater, I'll go to you. I'm going to piggyback off of what Troy said. And obviously, you know, pitching is going to play a, a bigger premium than it normally does. And I think the teams that have the deeper bullpens, such as the Rays, like Troy mentioned, and the Yankees, as well as the Braves, you know, the Rays, um, Brewers have a very deep bullpen, the Twins. I think the teams that have those deeper pieces in the bullpen that can go more quality arms so the game instead of maybe being six innings like it would have been over the long haul now might turn into a five inning game with your starter um because you know that in the last couple years the game has you know changed a little bit in regards to how they use bullpens but the teams with the deeper bullpens obviously are going to have a better opportunity because they're following up you know, two or three possibly pretty good arms that they start with. And in a 60-game season, you know, that's yeah. going to play a premium. Right. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a little bit of a different direction here. I think for the regular season, you don't need as much depth as uh, people think because there, there's no extra innings, right? We're doing – there's not going to be a lot of extra innings. I think they're doing a man starts on second base. Um, so games are going to be won within – at least like 13 innings. Um, all you need is a single to score a run in the extra innings. And also, I think guys are going to get through a good amount. Starters are going to get through a good amount of innings. I mean, teams like the Yankees and the Mets and the Nationals, those guys where you have three legit starters, I think those teams are in a really good spot because you come out, let's say there's 60 games, guy throws every five days. As long as you pick up three out of those five wins, you're going to get in the playoffs this year. I mean, you, you got to catch one hot start maybe and like a few wins in a row. So those guys with a lot of uh, – I, I don't think you need a lot of depth. I think you just need to be top heavy to get in the playoffs at least. Bullpen may come into play later in the season um, and, and also in the playoffs obviously. But I think as long as you have that Max Scherzer <laughs> – Strasburg uh, one-two punch. I mean, I think those teams are the teams that are really going to benefit from this season's changes. So we'll, we'll have to see there. I, I think I think bullpen is definitely um, something that is very important, but I think it becomes a little less important in a 60-game stint rather than a 162-game. Cater, I'll let you respond. That makes sense to me. I mean, you know, I think like you had touched on, Kyle, uh, the bullpen might become a little more important during the playoffs and stuff. But when you can trot out those three big horses and win 60% of those games, that you know definitely makes it a little easier to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, yeah. pitching has always been the thing that drives the machine, so to speak. And, you know, obviously if you have a better starting staff and follow that up with a stellar bullpen like, you know, the Yankees and the Rays. The Rays have three, like Troy said, three very good starters. The Mets have very good starters and deep bullpen. So as do the Nationals. Although the Nationals, for me, you know, their bullpen's a little shaky in spots. Yeah. It's not as yeah. I don't think it's as solid as the teams that we've named before. You know, and they're in a division with the Mets, who have a very deep bullpen and the starting staff. And then the Braves aren't going anywhere. You know, with right. their young staff and bullpen is deep. You know, um, right. But yeah, I guess we're going to find out in a shortened season. Yeah, definitely. Troy, I'll let you close here. Um, 
Sorry, one second. <laughs> no, you're good. I can just cut it out, bud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, just like with Cater said, I think once you clinch a playoff spot, you know, you don't want to keep using those same arms, you know, or just hiring them out, get them ready for for the playoffs. I think that uh, once it gets deeper in the regular season, you kind of want to go start going towards the back if you're not really fighting for that last playoff spot, you know. Agreed. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. So the MLBPA and the MLB finally reached a financial agreement, so it's official. We're going to have a season. That's at least something to look forward for us. The MLB has been frowned upon since the sign-stealing punishments were made, and in my opinion, we're not nearly as harsh harsh enough. However, we are back, and it's time to roll. So now the question is, Cater, can slash will the MLB rebound from this horrific offseason's commotion? That's going to be a tough one. But with that being said, I mean, I think it can, and you know, it's in a 60-game season. It it's, it'll be a lot more difficult to do because you don't have the longevity of the 162 games to get people back. They're going to have to get people back in a hurry. Um, it might take something of a special season, so to speak, in a 60-game season. I don't know what that is, but I mean, who knows? It's yes. I think your your diehard fans are going to come back. Because that's just what they do. Um, you know, the casual fan might t- take a little longer to return, but if a, you know, you can get a special, and I don't even know how to qualify what a special season would be in a in a sixty game season. Um, you know, you'd need something short of a Maguire Sosa ninety eight home run race to to capture some of those casual fans. But then again, that was four years after the world series was canceled. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. exactly. Troy, I think what do it you bounces think? back. I just, oh, think sorry, it takes go ahead, a little, no, I'm sorry. I think it bounces back. I just think it takes a little while. Yeah. Troy, go ahead. Do you think the MLB uh, will bounce back? Yeah, I think, I think they think can definitely rebound from, uh, from this pause, uh, mainly because uh, there's been such a long break from all sports that when the MLB does return, and then not only are the diehard fans, like Hater said, they're going to come back, but also some fans that are into other sports, they're going to come back because they just need something to watch that's not like a rerun or a Netflix original, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I saw a lot of fans on Twitter just saying, you know, I'm never watching this sport again, and those are the same people who are retweeting um, MLB rules now. So, I mean, right. it, it, <laughs> people are going to come climbing back. But he, here's the thing. Yes, I think the MLB will rebound, but they don't just need to rebound, in my opinion. They need to be better than ever before. They oh, are no. going. They are in a downward trend, and the only reason they are they just bounce back up to the top of the water now is because they have a season. So if this didn't get settled, I'm convinced that the MLB might have been done. So here, here's here's the average age of a fan right now. It's 57. That that is not good. That is the MLB is clearly struggling and. It's, it's hard to see because the money just gets shoved in your face and you just see all these numbers like, well, if Mike Trout's getting paid $400 million, then they can't be struggling too much. They really are. And if it continues, then they're just going to keep going down. I mean, the NFL and the NBA are thriving right now, and the MLB is on a downward trend. So the MLB PA, MLB owners, and front office, they have to figure something out here because this relationship, this bad relationship was exposed this offseason. And... I've said it again. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Billionaires and millionaires fighting. Nobody, nobody cares about that. So th- this offseason has been a real struggle. I think we can turn it around, but 
we definitely have a lot of things to fix, and it starts with that front office. So we'll have to see. Cater, I wanna I wanna ask you a question about this real quick. Who do you think was most to blame about this offseason? Do you think it was more of the player side or owners or Rob Manfred and his crew? What do you think here? I think it was handled very poorly by all three parties involved, in all honesty. You know, back yeah. there was an agreement made in March and then people want to change the agreement and then all the <clears throat> It's a tough call because of the situation we're in. You don't, you know, I can understand some of the players, the safety concerns that they have, and then the money because you know that's what they were counting on. And all of a sudden, you know, like you said, Kyle, to make it's billionaires fighting millionaires. Um, yeah. I think all three parties are to blame. Rob Manfred, if you come to an agreement in March and that's what the agreement is and that's what you agree, then that's what it comes down to, you know. And then right. all of a sudden, there's changes. So. For me, it's just, it's a bad look for all three parties involved. I just want baseball to come back and, like you said, thrive. Right. Yeah. What do you think about that average age of fan fifty-seven? What do you well, think I'm about glad that? that I'm not. I'm glad I'm not to that average age then yet, which is good for me. <laughs> um, although, I'm, <laughs> although I'm very close to that age, I, I I see that. I've heard that that is a problem that baseball could potentially, you know. Um, that is facing as far as the average age you know your your gener your age is getting older you're not capturing the younger kids your you know baseball has lost some of its luster amongst the younger kids because of the pace of the game to a right. certain extent and I don't, right. i'm not even sure i want to go down that road um right and some of the changes that were implemented this year that i don't necessarily agree with and i'm not sure the the logic of it Pace of the game has always been what it is. If you look at it, the pace of the game really isn't as bad as some of the people portray it to be. If you look at the numbers, it's definitely it definitely got better. I mean, I remember watching sure. games, uh, one o'clock games for the Yankees. They'd start at one o'clock and they would end till you know four thirty-five. And I, I think it was cut down. I mean, I've been, I've just been noticing commercial breaks are shorter. Players are getting out there right after the inning ends. So yep. hopefully we're headed in the right direction. I think they need to bring the youth back in the minor leagues are the best way to do that, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the MLB can turn it around because all of us want to see it succeed. So, Cater, I want to move on really quick here, talk about one more thing before we have to let you go. It's only right we discuss the Yankees here. All three of us are Yankee fans, so we can try to keep this as little bias as humanly possible. <laughs> Cater, what do, you, what do you expect from the Yankees this season? Well, I mean, it's... I expect him obviously to be one of the top teams in baseball um, based off sheer talent alone. The starting staff is deep. The bullpen is deep. The lineup is a little too much right-handed for me. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to have seen a left-handed power bat added somewhere to offset all that. But, right. you know, I, I think the AL East, in all honesty, if they both teams stay healthy, comes down to the, the Yankees and the Rays. I expect that the Yanks to make the playoffs and make a deep run into it with hopefully a little – more wins this year. Yep. Troy, I'll turn it over to you. I really expect nothing but good things from the Yankees this season. They've really got it all. I mean, a group of sluggers like one through nine and a deep bullpen that they can rely on come the postseason. I mean, if the Yankees batting lineup comes out hot and can ride that wave, they shouldn't, in my opinion, they shouldn't lose more than three games in a row at any point this year. They got returning players, Judge, Torres, and Stanton, now that he's healthy, who are primed for huge seasons. Plus the addition of Garrett Cole, like I said earlier, it provides them with a true one pitcher to guide them through the playoffs. I mean, I they should be a top team, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. 
I'm not going to expect any wins or anything here. I'm just expecting some things I want to see from Aaron Boone. I think it's World Series or bust, obviously, though. I mean, so that's expecting some wins. But I, I really think that every year for the New York Yankees, it's World Series or bust. It's a lot of pressure to put on them, but it's just something that you've come accustomed to for being a fan. And it's kind of weird. We say World Series are bust, but they literally haven't won in since 2009. It's just been pure disappointment since then. I really want to see Garrett Cole. So 60 games, every fifth day if he pitches, that's 12 starts. I don't want to see that. I want to see Garrett Cole getting into the 14 or 15 starts. And and that might sound crazy. But I think you got to go for it all here. I mean, 60 games, you gotta you got to pitch your best guys. You don't want to put a huge load on him and then not have him, you know, be ready to go in the playoffs. But I think when a guy's used to, what did he pitch, 250 innings last year? I don't think pitching him 100 innings this year is good for him. I think you got to try to get him to, you know, 120, one, between that 120 and 150 range. I'd like to see him have a few more starts than his scheduled seven, or sorry, 12. But it'll it'll be really exciting to see Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole going head to head right off the bat. That'll be that'll be awesome. I don't see uh, that happening. I don't see Garrett Cole only having 12 starts. I think we're gonna see more. I hope Aaron Boone schedules him more. We'll have to see though. I, I think let's go after it. Cater, I'll let you end it here. I'd like to get him out there 15 times as well. Actually, I'd like to get him out there for 32 or 31, like in a regular season. But I do, yeah. I, I do can I can agree with you on the point of you know if it, the schedule breaks down. You know, he's at scheduled for 12 starts. If he goes seven innings, what's that? Less That's less than 100. It's right around, what, 100 innings? Right. So he's, yeah. he, he threw 250. So if we can get 15 starts at him and maybe, you know, get him – or I mean, here's a different idea. I don't know. Some people may vilify me or kill me for this. But what's to say is bullpen date on a, on a regular bullpen, he can't come out of the bullpen and throw an inning or two during a game there and use it even deep in the bullpen more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I mean it's, it's going to be a race to get in the playoffs. Why not? Right. I don't see Aaron Boone doing that at any given time, you know, using Cole out of the bullpen. But if we could get him 15 starts by moving people around here and there, why not? I'm all for that. Right. 300 million as a starter, you, 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 become, you become a reliever, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, if I mean, in the in the in the playoff scenario, I mean, I know other pitchers have done it and been successful. Yeah. So 60 yeah. games, though. I mean, it, it's not much. It, it's I think, not. I think his arm is ready to go. I, I mean, I've, he's been throwing bullpens in, in New York. I think he's more ready than ever. And I think he wants to lead this charge, something that he hasn't really got the opportunity to do. He's been shadowing behind Justin Verlander. I, I think he's really uh, motivated for this season and we'll have to see what happens. Cater, I really appreciate you coming on. Unfortunately, we got to move on to the show here. We have another guest coming in. Pleasure as always, though, and we hope to have you back here in the near future. Absolutely pleasure, guys. Good talking to you. and Be safe. All right. All right. Thanks Thank for being with us today. Thank you. Okay, we have another guest joining us here today. It's Blake Barbarisi from Boston, Massachusetts. Blake, I'm going to go to you right away, and no surprise I'm going here first. Mookie Betts is no longer a part of the Boston Red Sox. Former manager Alex Cora gone for now. Should be forever, but that, that's another story. Does this season's complications <laughs> give the Red Sox more of an advantage or disadvantage? Well, I think with a short season, only 60 games, they've got the hitting lineup where if they really go on a hot streak, we have the potential to make a playoff push. I think just yeah. like last year, the pitching is kind of a disaster. Chris Sale's out again this year. 
Rodriguez is a bright spot at the top of the rotation. Now, really quick, Blake, has it been confirmed that Chris Sale is out for the whole season? Is he not playing? Yeah, he was going ahead with his Tommy John surgery, so okay. he's not going to okay. be playing this season. All right. Interesting. Yeah, that, that'll be that. That's a big loss. I mean, if you don't have Chris Sale at the top of that rotation, then it's kind of I don't know. I'm scratching my head searching for what's going to bring you guys to enough wins to get in here. Troy, what do you what do you think? An advantage or disadvantage for the Red Sox? I think, in all honesty, either way, the Red Sox were really shaping up to have one of their worst seasons in franchise history. So this shortened season will probably <laughs> help them help them a little. Oh, but nothing that's really going to, that's nothing too drastic. Hitting-wise, again, any of them could really get hot, but there's no helping their bullpen. It's it's very, very bad. Yeah, it's atrocious. So I think any team with not-so-good odds in a regular 162-game set, I think their odds do increase as games go down. I think the Red Sox can actually get in. However... They're going to have to play really, really good baseball right from the jump because if anyone gets hot, I mean, you're in. But they have to, the bullpen has to improve, Blake. That bullpen, that bullpen has to be there. They need to be ready to go right after these starters uh, almost blow the game for them in the first inning. But we'll have to see. So I, I know you guys got Devers, JD, Bogarts. You guys got some studs in that lineup. I think you need that fourth man, though, after, uh, after those three, I think you need that fourth man. And who's that going to be? Ben Attendee? Is that going to be Mitch Moreland? I think you guys really need another guy that's going to step up to the plate. Not Maybe not produce as much as Mookie Betts because we know how hard that's going to be able to be to do. Do you think you're going to have that fourth guy step up into that lineup? Well, Ben Attendee's definitely kind of do. You know, he's had a couple solid seasons, but he hasn't really broken through. He's got the potential to have a better year at the plate for sure. Michael Chavis played well at the plate. Uh, when he got in last year, and I think he's got the potential to be a good bat for us as well. The loss of bets is definitely tough to take, but I feel pretty good about Devers, Martinez. Even you mentioned Mitch Moreland. He's got the potential to have a good season, too. He's been an all-star for us in the past. Yeah. So we're definitely not lacking as far as bats go. It's just the gigantic question mark of pitching, which is going to be tough to overcome, I think. I think it's clear that someone needs to have a breakout season here. So, Blake, I, I want you to answer this question really quick, yes or no, before we move on to some NFL. What do you expect to see from the Red Sox this year? Do you, Yes or no to make the playoffs? I'm going to go with a yes. I think we can slide in in a wild card spot. All right. I want to revisit and discuss the hottest news in sports right now. We talked about Cam Newton a little bit earlier, but we didn't talk about where he's going. So Cam Newton is now a part of the New England Patriots. So, I, in my opinion, he's a steal of the 2020 free agent class. His base salary is a $1.05 million contract. About half of that is guaranteed. With bonuses and incentives, it would be worth another $6.45 more million. Former MVP quarterback. I, I think it's safe to say, here we go again, the Patriots have dominated the league for about, you know, the last 20 years. Everyone's sick of it. Seems like the AFC can finally, you know, catch a break and breathe. That era might be over, but Bill Belichick just strikes again. So, Blake, I'll start with you again. With Cam Newton now on the roster, where do you rank the Patriots amongst the AFC? I think it immediately puts them as a top five team in the AFC. Uh, I definitely see Buffalo and them as kind of neck and neck. 
if Cam plays to his full potential, then that puts the ceiling right at winning a Super Bowl. Whereas beforehand with Jared Stidham, I wouldn't have given them any chance of that happening. Yeah. But I'd say they're right there with Buffalo as one of the best two teams in the division. And then if Cam can really make it happen with what he's got, with that defense, they've definitely got a chance to go all the way. I definitely think there's a chance. Troy, I want you to chime in here before I go. Well, Cam Newton is definitely a top quarterback in the league. He's no, he has no Tom Brady, so I don't think they're they're definitely not going to be as good as they once were, obviously. But I do think that they're definitely going to be a top team in the AFC, and they do still have a shot at winning the AFC East. But it really all depends on if Cam Newton can fit in into Bill Belichick's system, which is the biggest question mark, I think. I don't know. I I think that's a I think that's a really hot take, Troy. I mean. I know Cam Newton is good. He won an MVP. But to say he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, me and you have fought this before. I don't Definitely even have. think it's I don't even think it's guaranteed to that Cam Newton starts. I really don't. I really think that the Patriots system, it's not whether you're gonna fit it or not, it's whether you're gonna behave or not. And i think as long as Cam Newton listens and just plays his hardest because I know he's motivated and I know he's ready to do what he has to do. I think he'll fit in there. I think anyone can fit in there if they're ready to go in and work hard. However, I've heard from just a lot of sources out there that they really like Jared Stidham. Blake, do you think Cam Newton's an automatic starter? In my head, yes. I have heard that a coach in the division had expected Stidham to make the start week one. Right. I'm convinced that's Gase. I'm convinced that's Gase, but... Yeah, possibly. I'm just throwing that out there. But I don't see Cam Newton going into a training camp with Jared Sidham with everything that Cam's got to prove. He mentioned that respect was uh, more important than money as far as his decision-making in this process. I think he's going to come into training camp with something to prove, and he'll beat out Jared Stidham, you know, whether or not that's what the coaching staff wants to happen. I right. think he's still got enough in the tank to – easily win the starting position we'll, we'll end it right there so the nba restart is right around the corner there's been a lot of talk about what this title will mean compared to our normal crown championship teams troy does winning this title in 2020 in our so-called orlando bubble mean more or less uh in my opinion winning this title actually means more because overall it's more difficult there are no easy wins for any team in this in the new nba bubble Plus, these players were forced to take three to four months off and stay home and just do their own thing, do private workouts. That's going to put a massive strain on team chemistry for every team, especially teams with new pickups like the Lakers. Right. Blake, I'll let you go here. I think a big part on whether it's going to be more or less is going to be determined on how it actually goes. If you have a lot of big names on top teams going down with Corona or other complications during the season, people aren't going to look back at a team that won fight of LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and hypothetically other players being out as, you know, having achieved more. But if everyone stays healthy and looking at as a unique challenge where they've been off all this time and they're coming back, not being able to have guests in their bubble until the second round of the playoffs, you know, having to be in isolation all this time, it could be looked at potentially as, an even bigger accomplishment than it would have been otherwise. Right. I mean, you make a great point there in the beginning saying that it really does depend on how it goes because you look at this season and if LeBron James goes down with coronavirus, God forbid, 
for my Lakers. But it, say if he does, he, he tests positive, you know, and, and the Lakers get eliminated in the first round. I mean, is that OK? I, I'm going to sit here and say, you know, I am, Blake. I'm going to sit here and say, well, they would have won if LeBron James was playing. Right. So, I mean, what does it mean if, yeah. you know, if if the Clippers go on to win Then I'm like, OK, well, the Lakers would have met them in the Western Conference Finals and they would have beat them. So, I mean, I think it really does depend on how it goes. But assuming that everything goes fine, there's no coronavirus cases. I know it's highly unlikely that there will be none. But let's just say there is. I think it will be an unforgettable finish. I think that this one will stand out. It it might have an asterisk, but it will have one. I think it will be remembered in a great way. Now, if we do have a season and – or if we do finish, I should say – I don't want it to mean more if LeBron James wins the title because I don't want it to mean more if LBJ wins and less if New Orleans wins, for say, because I think no matter who wins, the amount of craziness that we went through this year and are still going through, I think whoever beats the odds deserves all the praise in the world. I don't think I don't think if Zion comes around and just goes beast mode and wins this title, I mean, it's very unlikely he might have the odds against him. But if he does it, I'm going to sit here and say congratulations. I'm not going to say I'm not going to downgrade the title. I'm just not going to do that. Troy, I'll let you finish here. Uh, yeah, you made you made a good point there. If an unexpected team does make a like a Cinderella story run, you know, definitely we're not going to take that away from them. You know, that's great on their part. But if a predictable win and like the Lakers, if that happens, then we're still not going to take it away from them, but it's still like, it was kind of expected, you know? Right. Yeah. We got to move on here before you go, Blake. I want to ask you, assuming we finish the season in Orlando, everyone is healthy. Who's winning the title this season? I'm going to have to say the Lakers. Okay. So, so, (laughs) so (laughs) is that, is that, is that tough for you guys that don't know Blake is from Boston, Massachusetts. So, he is a he is a Celtics fan, diehard Celtics. Blake, is that tough for you to say? Somewhat, but you know <laughs> I've got to give credit where credit is due. I just think the Lakers squad is too tough this year, and you know while I think the Celtics have an outside shot of reaching the finals, the Lakers are my pick this year. All right, yeah. Troy, who do you got? I agree with Blake. Lakers hands down. There's there's not a defense in the league that can guard LeBron, especially with AD on the floor. And they have a great supporting cast around them with JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Danny Green. That's just to name a few. I mean, I, I don't want to disagree with you guys because I'm a Lakers fan here. And obviously I shouldn't. I, I hope the Lakers win. I'll be cheering for them day in, day out. However, I think L, I, I think both L.A. teams are legit. And I think it's going to be one of them. And I think whoever wins the Western Conference Finals, which I, I highly believe since day one of this season, was going to be Clippers and Lakers, the one and two seeds right now is I think whoever wins the Western Conference is going to win. I, I don't think the Bucks are going to do it. I don't think I, I know they have a lot, but I don't think they have enough. And I, I think the only thing that the Lakers and Clippers have over them is experience. They have they both have guys that have won titles. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I think I'll, I'll take the Lakers at the end of the day, but L.A. is going to be a battle. So that'll be exciting to see. Blake, thank you for taking the time to join our podcast today. It was much appreciated. Always fun, and we're looking forward to having you back here soon. Thanks, Blake. Absolutely. Thank you, Kyle. All right, so to close out here, what we're going to do is we're going to take some phone calls. We're open for phone calls. If anyone has questions, call right on up. I think I know we got a caller right now. We'll take that in a few seconds. Troy, before we take this phone call really quick, I want to ask you, 
Who's your favorite in the Eastern Conference? The Bucks. I definitely. They're, I they're think coming the Bucks, out of the East. Yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks have have an easier road right to the finals, in my opinion. East is weak. Okay, that's that's I, I guess fair. All right, we have a caller here. I'm gonna answer it. This is Reese Dwyer from Massachusetts. Reese, what's going on, man? Uh, we're thinking about the uh, punishments handed by Commissioner Manfred concerning Alice Cora. AJ Hinch and uh, anyone with the Astros organization. Thank you for the call. To be honest with you, I think the punishments at the least were very, very unthro- unthought through. I, I think I think it's an embarrassment to the league, honestly, the punishments that were given out. I think I kind of just sit – I think everyone laughs in the face of Rob Manfred. I think Rob Manfred's opinion has been kind of irrelevant since he called the trophy a uh, piece of metal. And if that didn't hurt you from the heart, if you grew up a baseball fan, then I don't know – I don't I don't really know what you're doing here. I mean, Troy, do you want to answer that question? Do you think the punishments were enough? No, God no. The punishments were just like a slap on the wrist, you know. It's it, it was terrible. If I if I was commissioner, I would have had them banned and I would have had their title immediately stripped. I really think you giving a punishment that is so laughable just just makes it so much easier for the next team to do it. I mean, uh, honestly, honestly, it's wrong, but Let's think about it this way. As a manager in the league, right, you know how win a World Series is a dream. Growing up, win a World Series is a dream. Get to the league and then win a World Series. That's what everyone thinks about. So so you're in the league, right? You're going to do whatever you can to win a World Series. And if Rob Manfred is going to sit in your face and say the only punishment is that you're going to have to sit out for a year, guess who's going to sign up for it? Everybody. So you're just making a joke out of the league. You really are. You you got to be – you got to be forceful. I mean, there's, there's just, it seems like you can get away with anything, right? Right. Get away with anything. I mean, do what you want. The just a piece of metal. Go, go take it. Yeah. Reese, to answer your question, punishments were not enough. I think we both agree there. And in, in order to make this league, this league has a lot of work to do, and I think it just pisses off a lot of people that have been watching this game since they were young. Like me, and, and and just seeing the average age is 57. It's like wow, like what am I doing here? You know? Right. Like I'm 18, watching a league that's that people watch that the average age is 57. That that's embarrassing. Definitely. That's truly embarrassing. We unfortunately we're out of time and have to wrap it up here on episode one. Sports are back on the press box. It's been a lot of fun here, Troy. Thank you for all your great input. Looking forward to continuing to work with you no this problem, summer. Man. Be yes, sure to sir. check us out here on social media. We're on Twitter at underscore the press box underscore and Facebook at the press box 247, where you can keep a lookout for our latest content and be updated on the greatest teams, players, and sports organizations in the world. Also, email us at the press box 247 at gmail.com to request to call in or apply to be on the show. We're all about hearing everyone's opinions and thoughts in the sports world. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of you so much. This is just the start of one hell of a journey. This is your host, Kyle Milligan, with Troy Snyder on the Press Box Episode 1. Thank you for listening. We're going to see you soon. We out of here.